0: Amen on Veterans Day we celebrate all of those who served in the armed forces and we we celebrate that in November but for today we celebrate uh, those who died in the service so if you have a family member or friend, someone who was close to you who died in the service uh, I'd like you to go ahead if you're willing to go ahead and stand and we're going to pray a prayer in honor of their memory. I'm standing for someone who didn't die in the war. But I don't know if he fully ever came back completely from the war. Many of you remember Pastor Wayne Gibson. Uh, he was a dear friend of mine who served in, in the Army during the Vietnam War. And uh, he passed away just a few years ago. Uh, but I also stand in honor of his memory because I think uh, I just feel honored and led to do so. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all these men and women that we honor God that uh, answered the call and gave the full measure. Lord, that we have the freedoms that we have today, that we can reflect upon the values with which they stood for the sacrifice with which they gave, the honor with which they exemplified. And Lord, although they're not here, they did what you did. They did John 15, 13. For greater love has no man than this that he lay down his life for a friend. And we are all their friends. So we thank you, Lord, and we honor their memory this Memorial Day in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. Okay, well, <laughs> this is the message you were supposed to get last week. Now, many of you would think, ah, he's had another week to work on it, so this message is going to be twice as long. No, nope. I was—I wanted to be fair. I kept it the way it was so that I didn't lengthen it one bit. Uh, but uh, hopefully I've had a little bit more time to think about it, and it'll come off a little bit clearer. <laughs> let's pray heavenly father as we open up the word of god open up our hearts now to receive what you have for us in jesus name amen long ago uh when i was in high school and that is seeming longer and longer ago as i'm (laughs) coming up on my 30 30th year reunion uh that i don't go to because i grew up overseas and i don't even know if the school exists anymore but uh (coughs) Remember, long ago in high school, we had to do these things called book summaries. Remember those? You read a book and then you summarize it. Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't particularly care for book summaries. So I usually picked books where I had already seen the movie, right? Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. How many of you, you did the same thing, you know? You saw that list and you're like, I've seen that movie. I could do that one today, you know? So, I mean... That's one of the things I did. But I remember I got away with it my sophomore year, I got away with it my junior year, but in my senior year. I looked at the list, and there was, you know, uh, there weren't movies for any of those books. But I remember there was a book on there that kind of piqued my interest enough to actually read the book, and it was called "The Search For Significance" by Bob McGee, Robert McGee. And it was written uh, then. It was a newer, newish book. It was written in the early 80s, and uh, it's actually a very good blend of what you might call the science of philosophy, uh, humanity's search for truth, and also it had a Christian theological basis as well. So, uh, in reading it, it it I see now why it made my my high school's list. You know, because it had uh, such a respect for the philosophers that had come before and one of the things that i really you know that he really kind of makes the point in the book is you know when you're young or when you've just started off in life everything is about having fun you know he said i hate to dumb it down like this but we human beings when we are young it is young and fun right You, you can almost Put those together. If all of you who are older look back to when you were young, you're like, yeah, that was a big part of my life. If you are young now, trust me, it's a big part of your life. You don't even know it yet. As you get older, and this was his point, as you get older and you begin to mature, you begin to realize that while fun is good and you always want to have fun, it isn't enough. You can't base your life every day around fun. It just doesn't have the same fulfillment as you get older. Uh, A French mathematician slash philosopher by the name of Blaise Pascal, and this was quoted in McGee's book, I believe, uh, wrote that there is a God-shaped vacuum, or another way to say it, there is a God-shaped hole inside of the heart of each man or woman that cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God the creator. For those who live without God the creator in their heart, there is, whether they're aware of it or not, a dissatisfaction that something is missing. Can't point to it and they'll spend their lives trying to turn over, open each door or turn over each stone to try to find it. And what Pascal is saying is, it's something that only God can fill. And that he has made known Through Jesus Christ. Since nature abhors a vacuum. If we don't fill it with God. We will fill it with something else. And we'll always revert back to our youth. We'll revert back to fun. Nothing wrong with fun. But at the same time. There's more out there worth searching for. When we seek something. You know. Say I lost my car keys. Right. Right. The reward we get is when I find the keys, you know. Say I lost, you know, $100, which will never happen, by the way. $500, I know exactly where it is. But say I did, you know. The joy is not in trying to seek my lost $100. The joy comes when you find that $100 bill, right? But with God, there's almost a little bit of a paradox Because God says that there's joy in the seeking of him. There's joy. It's not just the reward because the reward isn't finite and ends. The reward is eternal. There's joy in the seeking. I shared with the prayer team this morning that when I was in seminary, one of the professors had a very dramatic way of ending class one day. He said, all right, this is where we all are neutral. We're standing right here before God. He says, sometimes, whether we're struggling with sin or struggling with attitude or struggling with something, God has to correct us a little bit. He has to discipline us a little bit. So it can kind of seem like we go to what will look like your right, just a little notch, you know? We go to the right a little notch. We're under the correction of the Lord, you know? So it's just, he says, it's just kind of like this, maybe eight inches away from where you were. He goes, A lot of us think when we seek God's reward, it's equally that eight inches, you know? So God corrects us, we're here. God rewards us, we're here. He goes, that's not true at all. God corrects us, we're here. God rewards us, and we're going, going, going. The man grabs his keys and his coat. Going, going, going. He goes out the side door, going 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 we hear him shouting from the parking lot going 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 all of a sudden we're sitting there in an empty classroom so one of the girls in my classrooms next to the window gets up and goes i think he said i think professor fox just got in his car in fact i think he's driving away he was trying to make his point the reward of the lord just keeps going and going the discipline is a little notch here But the reward is not equal. It just keeps going and going and going. Such is the blessing reserved to those who seek him. i got some scriptures that I want to throw in front of you real quick. Uh, So our our one-liner for this week is, Seek and ye shall find. And some of these scriptures will will play into this. Let's go to the scriptures real quick. Psalm 27, verse 8. When you... when you said, seek my face, this is David, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, will I seek. God invites us to seek him. God invites us to seek him. And let me just say something real quick. <laughs> we have to remember, you know, this whole thing, you know, well, I can't see God. I can't hear God. I've never been to heaven. I've never shook hands with Jesus. That's a lot, right? That's, that's the toughest part. That's why we call this faith, right? And not factual experience. You know, that's why we walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Here's one thing I want to remind us all. God knows that. He knows we can't see him. He knows we can't hear his, his voice literally all the time. He knows that we've never been to heaven. We can only imagine. God knows the difficulties it takes for us to see him god knows the times you're praying in a room and you walk away going man did anybody really hear that or was i just talking to myself am i going nuts you know god understands the difficulty in seeking a god you cannot see with your eyes and he calls us to seek him anyway he says seek me anyway yeah i get it you don't have to explain to me I can't hear you, I can't see you, I've never been to heaven. God's like, I know, I get that. Seek me anyway. That's what he's saying to David here. And, my da- and, and David said, my heart said to you, your face, Lord will I seek. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And Isaiah's talking about while we're in flesh and bone body. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Jeremiah 29, 13. I believe, I have 11 to 13, but it's really uh, at the end there, at the end of that little triad. Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You will seek me and you will find me When you search with me for all of your heart. Matthew 6.33 is the one I think of more often. I don't know why I just do. But seek first the kingdom of God. And all his righteousness. And all these things. Will be added unto you. And if you don't know the context. These things are all of our needs. You know God knows we need food. God knows we need clothes. God knows we need shelter. God knows that there are things that we need. Because we live in this body. That we have to have to live. God says, I know you need them just like I know that you can't see me or you've never been to heaven. I know all these things, but seek me first and all these things will be given unto you. And then finally in Luke chapter 11, verses nine and 10, where we literally get our one-liner today, Luke says, writes, or Jesus says in the gospel of Luke, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened now let's dig dig into this what are these verses implying what are these verses kind of teaching us the first thing is this a everyone everyone seeks something some people seek money others seek fame others seek pleasure Some people seek self-validation or affirmation. others, Others seek power and control. Some may seek a husband or a wife or children or a job or a better education or a new home or a bigger home. The tragedy of our time is that so many people are wasting their lives seeking three things that can never satisfy There are three things the Bible says over and over from Genesis to Revelation, cover to cover, seeking and trying to put your life's purpose in these three things will never satisfy. It will always leave you wanting. And those three things are money, sex, and power. We want money, so we'll sacrifice our families to get it. We want sex, so we'll sacrifice our honor to get it. And we want power, so we'll sacrifice our friends to get it. And when we finally get it, it only satisfies for the moment. And then the hunger for it come back comes back even more. In the 1970s, there was a running back for the Dallas Cowboys named Dwayne Thomas. And uh, he was particularly outspoken running back. And in one of the Cowboys' appearances in the Super Bowl, one of the reporters kept saying, Mr. Thomas, what does it mean for you to play in the ultimate game? This is the ultimate game. How, what, a, what a great honor it is to play in the ultimate game. And the reporter said it three times. Finally, the running back looked and said, you know, if this is the ultimate game, then why do they play it again next year? That's the way things are in the world. You climb to the top only to discover that next year, you've got to start all over again. Nothing in this life satisfies forever nothing in this life without effort will simply work on its own forever that's the first thing everybody's seeking something we are by nature seekers god put that that into us he's just simply saying seek me but there are many things to seek the second thing he said was what you seek is what you find Most of us, if we were honest, we are about as close to God now as we want to be. We're as close to God as we choose to be. We're as close to God as our relationship with God has taken priority in our lives. And for all of us, that priority falls on different scales. One of the things maybe we can do the rest of the morning is ask In the priorities of our life where God is, what's above Him? What is truly more important than the seeking of God in your life? Look at those. Analyze those. Ask yourself why those are there and if they should be there. If those things are for you or against you in the way that God is. Abraham Lincoln once said, Most people are about as happy as they want to be. What we seek, for better or for worse, Is what we'll eventually get. So, how do we overcome our all too often tendency to settle in our priorities when it comes to seeking God? Well, if you have a discussion sheet, you can go ahead and flip it over, and I'm going to give you those four real quickly. First is this remove the excuse that says, I'm trying. I'm trying. Whenever we say I'm trying, that's often an excuse for not doing what we say we want to do. I remember uh, for years when I lived here, I would get invited to the Bakersfield minister's breakfasts. And for years, I would be through a friend, and for years I would say, oh yeah, I'll try to make it. Oh yeah, I'm trying. But my life is so busy. Oh, yeah, you know, it's a good thing. I should support it. But really, if I were to be honest, I should have told my friend, really, your breakfast that you're trying to organize just isn't a higher priority for me to go to right now. Now, that would have been blunt, honest. It probably would have hurt his feelings. So what did I say? I'll try to make it. Kind of softens the blow, doesn't it? But at the end of the day, it's just an excuse. You know what cured it? For me, COVID. Never been so alone in my whole life. He called and said, hey, there's a restaurant that'll let us in. <laughs> We're going to have this breakfast. You kind of calm or you scared? I said, I'm not scared and I'm going to be there. Priority changed. No more excuses. No more I'm trying, no more, I'm busy. And this is, you know, you kind of see this with the Bible, you know. It's like, uh, you know, sometimes people come in and, and they'll, you know, I'll just ask some questions, but the fact of the matter is, is we're either reading our Bible or we're not. We're either in prayer or we're not. We're either trying to walk where God has for us in our lives or we're not. We're either paying off our credit cards or we're not. We're either forgiving that person or we're not. We're either seeking God or we're not. But there is no trying. Trying is just an excuse. It's like out of Star Trek, right? Luke Skywalker is training to become a a, uh, Jedi. (laughs) Star Wars, thank you. I would say the same thing, but they're actually quite different, aren't they? Um, you know, so Luke Skywalker's training to become a Jedi. And, and his, the little uh, Yoda, right, the elf guy, he says, he says uh, it was something big. I can't remember. It was some big thing. There, that's right. You know, and Luke Skywalker says, okay, I'll try it. He goes, no, there is no try. Do it or don't do it. There is no try. And what is he saying? That we remove all the excuses here. Do it or don't do it, but there is no try. And the first thing in overcoming our lack of seeking God in our lives is to take a look at our excuses. I put as number one, I'm trying because that's my excuse. That's what I say. I'll try to do this. I'll try to do that. I'll try to be nicer. I'll try not to think that way. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. It's really a way of me saying I'm probably not going to do it, but I don't want to tell you to your face I'm not going to do it. So I'll just leave it at I'm trying. But take a moment right now and ask yourself what 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 are some of the excuses that you might come up with? You know, uh, another one might be I'm too busy. Another one might be I'm too tired. Another one might be, I don't, have, I don't have enough of some, enough money or enough friends or enough whatever, you know. We all have that excuse we go to. And just hear Yoda's voice in your head. Do or do not. <laughs> there is no try. Number two, schedule time to seek God. Some people call it morning devotions. Some people call it my prayer walk. Some people call it my God time. King David said it like this. I will seek you in the morning. So we know what David did before breakfast or maybe after. He did it in the morning. The Old Testament Jeremiah, (laughs) he said, First thing in the morning and last thing I do at night. I will seek your face. The ancient Jews on their way to work They would not walk alone. They would walk in groups, the men or the women, and they would sing something called the Hallel, the praise, the Hallel. And it was a 20-minute praise song on their way to work. It was a time for them to connect with God before they uh, did whatever it is they were going to be doing for their job that day. But here's the thing. If you don't schedule it, it probably won't happen. If you really, somebody, if I were to say, what are your priorities, there's, there's only two things I need to know, and I can tell you what your priorities are. Let me look at your checkbook, and let me look at your calendar. Those two things will, will are the honest test of where often our priorities are. So that's why sometimes I got to say, you know, God would much rather have a scheduled appointment than Spontaneous. Because scheduled means I'm going to be there. I'm making this a priority whether I feel like it or not. That's the second thing. Third thing is this. There is nothing wrong in seeking a reward. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I am seeking God because I believe he exists. And I'll tell you right now, I want the reward. It is good to want the reward. It is honorable to want the reward. I would say it's even holy to want the reward because you're simply following the tenor here of this verse that the reward is in the seeking. But it's in the seeking of God first. That's where Matthew 6.33 comes in. Matthew six thirty three says, seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added unto you. Here's the hard part about the reward and it is the hardest part. It's the hardest part of faith. It's the hardest part of following Jesus. It's the hardest part of reading the Bible. It's the hardest part of almost everything I have experienced in Christianity. I will tell you right now, this is by far the hardest part. It is not that I can't see God. I see God everywhere. We live on a planet that has his effect everywhere. Trees that are growing. People that are walking. Animals that are running. Fish that are swimming. Yes, there is a God. Everywhere I look, I see God. That's not the hardest part. What is the hardest part? The reward requires patience. Patience patience my problem is when i want something i want it now we're all like babies in some way aren't we you know when i'm hungry i want it and i want it now that's why mcdonald's makes billions not off of me but you know (laughs) but i mean you know what i'm saying we do not it the waiting for the reward here's what happens in the wait i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm waiting oh well i'm waiting for this reward hasn't come yet maybe it's not going to come maybe there is no reward maybe i ought to get why the getting's good because i don't know about this whole reward thing abraham waited 25 years for his reward some in the bible waited even longer you know it's that waiting part that is the hardest part of faith i think for many people god's existence and, and the nature of good and evil and the spirit of God on the earth, that, that, believe it or not, as hard as that can be sometimes because we can't physically see him, pales in comparison to being patient. But here's, here's the way it works. First, seek him first. Then be patient in the seeking. And then the payoff will come. What is that payoff? Payoff. I can't tell you. I've tried to describe the reward of God, but it's like different for everybody. If I were to sit down and we were to have all lunch, and I'd say, what has been some of the rewards of God? And you're like, they would be all different. For me, they've been certain things. For you, they've been other things. could be a financial reward, a health reward. It could be a I finally found God reward. There's so many The reward is almost as infinite as God himself. But I can promise you this. If you say, okay, God, I'll take Tom's challenge. I'm going to seek you deeper than I have before. I had a level of seeking. I'm going to up that seeking. I can promise you this. God will take that bet. God will win that bet. But you'll be the real winner. Amen? Number four. When you are seeking God, everybody knows it. Go to someone who knows you well and ask them, am I a God seeker? When you look at my life, Do you see the qualities of someone who's seeking God? Better yet, go to an atheist and ask the same question. Atheists may not understand the intricacies of our faith, but I'll tell you this right now, they can spot a fraud and a fake when it comes to seekers of God. And if you're unsure, Surround yourself by God-seekers. Surround yourself with them. Go where they go. Do what they do. And eventually, one of two things will happen. Either they'll drive you nuts and you'll leave them. (laughs) Or they'll rub off on you. And you'll become a God-seeker too. But I can tell you this. God-seekers... They may have to endure the pain of patience, but there is something more incredible than anything her- Earth has to offer in the joy of the seeker's reward. It's beyond the flesh, it's beyond Earth, it stretches into eternity, and touches us deep in our core being. Many centuries ago, St. Augustine he was the church father i had to read and write the most about and augustine was so much like us take take out the word saint in front of him augustine of hippo he was caught up in an early christian controversy over baptism same stupid stuff we have today but he grew as a christian he became a pastor he gave became a pastor in the remnants of a situa- old civilization known as Carthage that was now Roman because the Romans won. So he had the Roman culture in this North African city. And he's writing about the revival that's going to come. He's writing about how this church is going to grow. He's writing about how many kids are getting saved. He's writing about all of these amazing things. And the Visigoth army is in their ships in the harbor, getting ready to invade his town. Oh, all, the, all these incredible things are going to happen. And they did happen. They happened years later. He had to endure the season of patience. And in that time, he wrote a book called "The City of God." And he said, I've lived in two cities, the city of men and the city of God. And I'll tell you right now, the city of God is the only city worth living in, the only city I seek. He said this. He said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. The quote's wrong, by the way. I don't know why I could find. It works, does the job. But the actual words he said were, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So rather than stay trapped in a pit of a thousand excuses, I encourage you this morning, take up the search. Some of you may have gotten tired in the season of patience, so you've dropped the search. I don't condemn you, and I'm not qualified to judge you, and neither does God. He's just saying this is a little reminder this morning. Take up that search again. Start seeking him again. Start scheduling it again. Wipe off all those justifications as to why we're not. Pick up the search. Pick up the flashlight. Start seeking. Because God is a rewarder of those who seek him. That search may lead you to church without walls. That search may lead you to a Pueblo in Mexico. That search may lead you, your wife, or your husband to a two-week marriage counseling in Colorado. Or that search may mean that you wake up 15 minutes earlier than you normally do so that you can seek his face as David did early in the morning. In any event, Augustine was right. The satisfaction and significance we seek is found when our hearts rest in God. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Worship team, come forward. Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray for just a reminder, a renewed sense, an expectation and joy in seeking God. We, we know the obvious, Lord. We can't see your physical presence or always hear your physical voice or we can't just take a vacation in heaven and come back. Lord, we, we get the obvious. Lord, I don't think those are the hardest thing. I think the patience and the seeking can be what causes us so much discouragement that we give up the search. So I pray now this morning we would pick up that flashlight, open up that Bible, put on those glasses, and resume the search. Resume the seeking. For the seeking is the goal. And the reward is found in the seeking. Let's go ahead and pray this together. Please repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus I pick up the search not just for significance but for my creator the Lord God and today I confess my weakness and my sins before you and I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father And I ask you, forgive me of my sins, fill me with your spirit, and help me to seek you by faith every day. In Jesus' name, amen.